Welcome to Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback, PhD, and I'm also a deacon of the Diocese of Des Moines, Iowa. I'm your host of Chattachesis, a podcast series for clergy that helps them find creative and fresh ways to share the gospel message and promote missionary discipleship. This episode is brought to you by Christ in Us and Sadlier's bilingual program, Cristo in Nosotros. All children are introduced to seven strands of spirituality by some of the giants in the Catholic mystical tradition. Start your journey now at sadlierreligion.com forward slash CIU. Happy to be today with a guest who's become a fast friend because he's a really cool dude. It's Father Justin Clarival, and if you ask him how to pronounce his last name, he's so polite, he'll say anything's fine with him. Uh, But one of these days, we'll figure out what the exact pronunciation is. That'll be my homework. I will get it done. He's a Jesuit. He's a no-nonsense kind of guy. I'm just throwing that in there. And he's also (laughs) an associate pastor at Dolores Mission Church in Los Angeles. So, Father Justin... I don't know if this is the start of your Lenten penance, you know, a day early before Ash Wednesday, or you really want to be on the show, but welcome to Chattachesis. I appreciate that, Deacon Matt. Um, glad to be here. This is not a Lenten penance. It's get better to get me on Tuesday when I'm feeling pretty good than on Wednesday when I'm probably going to be too fasted and sleepy and tired to talk. So, Amen. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm, I'll, I'll let you know about how to pronounce my last name eventually because my parents <laughs> never taught me. It's like saying, you know, it's, if it were like a, an English or like a Western, like European name, like, okay, there's like a reference point. But since it's, you know, a Spanish name by way of the Philippines, I, I, I really don't know. Well, it's, hey, it's, it's honest. People in the United States struggle with European names, too, because uh, so my last name's Hallbach with a German spelling, but forever. And I mean, ever since I was in elementary school, it was Hallbach, Hallback. Halback. I mean, it's all sorts of different derivatives. So I just don't Hollow think... Hollow back, y'all. <laughs> Hollow back. That's exactly... Trust me, I lived through that. Thanks, Gwen Stefani. Sorry, sorry to bring uh, No, that's in. okay. That's okay. I've, I've been through it. So um, so you're there at Dolores Mission Church. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your assignment? Our, our humble little parish, Dolores Mission, uh, we're approaching 100 years as a faith community. We started in 19... 19- 25, but the Jesuits didn't take it over until the 70s. We're right across the river from downtown Los Angeles. In fact, from our from a park right across the street, you can see the down the beautiful downtown skyline. But uh, it it we've had a history of being in a in a neighborhood that has suffered a lot of violence and a lot of trauma, um, and a lot of trauma from poverty, trauma um, trauma from gang violence. Uh, Father Greg Boyle um, was a pastor here for many years. A lot of the parishioners here who have been here for the long haul still speak of memories and stories and recall that. So I feel very blessed to be here and, and I'm still getting to know the community since I moved here in the middle of the pandemic. So, but it's a great place to be. I love, I love being in a place with so much history and so much depth and uh, with people who have lived through a lot and yet still maintain their sense of faith throughout all of the trauma that has gone around in the last 30, 40 years. Yeah. Do you feel like, you know, being there with Father Boyle and, and knowing all that he's done there, um, do you, did you feel a little intimidated? Like, oh, uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's like, here's this, like this national best-selling author, you know, priest, you know what I mean? And I'm the young whippersnapper coming up and, you know, but, it, but it's good for my humility, you know, Father. I'm, it's even strange to be called Father when, you know, yeah. 
don't have any kids like you. So. <laughs> well, this <laughs> this podcast, I'm sure, will just shoot your notoriety all the way to the sky. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I say is not is maybe I should just put a disclaimer about like, okay, I do not represent the Society of Jesus in West Province or something like that, <laughs> just in case. Okay. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. And today we're going to talk to you about a few things. We're going to talk a little bit about some preaching, uh, sort of your preaching process, your way for preparing to preach, which I think will be great for our listeners. Um, and then also a little bit about Pentecost and what you what you do to kind of um, prepare for for that wonderful, not a season, but feast day. Uh, and, and by the way, just between you and me, I always think there should be a season. You know, I know it's a day and it's a happening, it's an event, but it's such a huge deal. And doesn't it get short shrift, I think, by just yeah. having the one day when Easter and Christmas get, I mean, Christmas happened, let's be honest, that was one day, right? He was born on one day, but we get a season. Mm-hmm. So what do you think it is? What happened? What, why did Pentecost get short shrift? Well, I don't know. I think I wonder if some of it is like some of the the changing of the naming of the seasons, like like ordinary time, I guess, used to just be numbered after Pentecost, like the 34th Sunday after Pentecost or like the second. So it was like always kind of referent. Pentecost was always referenced. And now we just have ordinary time or ordered time or something. So I think part of it is that unfortunate uh, translation. But it is it is kind of strange because it's like Pentecost is kind of a climax. It's like, oh, you know, like Easter, Easter, Easter. Pentecost and it's like yeah, oh it's, it's, dropping it's ordinary bombs on people yeah you know yeah. summer and, and the coolest and the coolest liturgical uh um you know colors and designs I mean you got flames hanging down from the right. roof of the sanctuary that's right. awesome and we only get one day of that I know we should have like fireworks <laughs> we should have bonfires you know that's right that's right so let's get into it all right I want to start with um, I was really intrigued when we when we met and, and you shared with me a little bit about how you prepare for Sunday and specifically the Sunday homily. And you talked about there at, at your parish that you sort of exegete the congregation or the community, that you spend the week kind of reading them and part of that helping you to read and understand what's going on in their hearts and in their world is your your small communities sounds like to me that they participate in Lexio Divina and some kind of ongoing faith sharing through the week. So why don't you let us know a little bit about that experience of, of Sunday prep? Yeah, thank you for um, asking about that because it, it's led me to, to be grateful for where I've been placed because as a new priest, as a, someone who's new to the community, all of these different meetings have given me a point of contact with people who have been here for a long time. Like, um, like the day after our Sunday masses on Monday, we have a meeting of the leaders of our small faith communities, the base communities, the ecclesial based communities. And um, in this meeting of these women who have been here, for, they're all women and they've all been here for a long time. We read the gospel. Um, they talk in this Lectio manner about a phrase or a word that strikes them. But very quickly, it moves into speaking about what they're going through, what their communities are going through emotionally um, and financially what's been going on in the neighborhood, what's been worrying them. So it starts to get into my ear what's going on in the parish, what's going on in the people and faithful that are, that are here. And I have that from Monday, leading all the way up to the coming Sunday. And, and then the Sunday gospel is already sort of resonating in my head. And then on Tuesday, our staff has a meeting where we go over the, the Sunday gospel in a sort of Lectio way and also speak about 
what strikes us, but that also very quickly leads into speaking about what's going on in the community. Why are we feeling this? Well, we got this news, this hard news, or this good news, or something like that. Uh, and so Monday and Tuesday already prepare me for the rest of the week, and then I can sit in on another um, on another uh, base community meeting if I want on a Wednesday. But that prepares me to hear. Well, it, it gives me the sense that the Holy Spirit is already working in the way that people are approaching the scriptures and trusting that there's, it's not an accident that I'm hearing all the things that I'm hearing from these people um, in my parish. And whatever God wants me to say, whatever the Holy Spirit wants to speak through me on Sunday will hopefully be a message for the people because it's, I've gleaned something from the Holy Spirit moving in their hearts already when approaching the living word of God. Uh, I would say that part of the exegesis too, for me, almost in an academic way has been trying to listen for the symbols and the images and the stories that are operative in uh, the people here. So uh, my parish is predominantly Latino and the, the image of a Camino, like the way, the yeah. road is a, is, a, is a very powerful image. And it resonates a lot with this idea of the pilgrim church that uh, is in some of our Eucharistic prayers and in our theology. But also personally for them, it's, it's very resonant because a lot, almost all of them are immigrants. So that idea of moving, that we are a people, un pueblo, that moves along the way, the camino, is, some, is, a, is a very powerful image that I can return to or that I can reference um, in, in my preaching. Mm -hmm. And, it, and it, will, it will strike them. And the stories too, like there's also a way where if I exegete the congregation, I know where I can move in terms of my rhetorical devices, like if the, in the, in the English speaking crowd, more academic, uh, more heady sort of like mm -hmm. problem solution kind of movements or um, that, that, that kind of way of, of thinking will, will probably work better. But I found that a lot with, um, with the, the community that doesn't speak English mostly in, and speak mostly in Spanish, uh, personal stories, personal experiences, mm -hmm. Stories about my family, stories of, because my own family are immigrants as well. Stories about my own family, stories about people that I know, the ways people have taught me. They've been, they've been, very, <laughs> they've been very helpful in getting me to connect with people and getting people to connect with me and know me as a person as well and, see, and to trust that the Holy Spirit's operative in that. I'll just share one quick example. Yeah, hit me. There, um, on February 2nd, the Feast of the Presentation, it was sort of a sudden thing, like we didn't quite have have it all planned out and I'd volunteered to celebrate the mass. And I was like panicking, like, what am I going to preach? What am I going to preach? Like, this is going to be like, oh, there's so many things that we can talk about the presentation. And then there's our lady of the presentation, which is a big feast in a lot of uh, Latin America. So I could talk about our lady, but then like, we're also being presented to the temple and you know, we're not, we're not allowed indoors. Uh, at the time we weren't allowed indoors for services. There was a lot of there was a lot of things that I could have done, and I didn't feel prepared by the time mass came around at 5 p.m. When mass came around, we set up uh, the Santo Nino, the baby Jesus, up in front of the altar, and um, right before preaching, yeah, I just thought, you know what, I'm just gonna hold the baby Jesus. <laughs> like I just everything <laughs> in me just wanted to hold, so I went over, I went over to um, Santo Nino because Santo Nino is also a very is also a, a very powerful image for Filipino people, my, my own heritage. And, and I picked up the baby Jesus and in broken Spanish, I just start trying to deliver the message that I felt God wanted us to hear. I don't even, I thought it was like the worst homily ever. 
but um, one of our, our pastoral assistant and some of the people in um, on Facebook who were watching us just messaged me. It's like, oh, Padre, it was so beautiful. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> they just loved the image of seeing a priest carrying a, a, the baby Jesus, you know? Yeah. So it's just being able to know, to exegete the con congregation gives gives me a lot of hope and trust and tools in which to see how, what is it that the Holy Spirit and how is it that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to the people on Sunday? So it sounds like you have a great process of throughout the week, listening, um, contemplating the scriptures, and then the scriptures themselves give you a language, uh, you know, signs, symbols, things through which to understand and relate what's happening in the week. And then you just, again, because you know the people, are able to incorporate also some of your own signs, uh, like for example, the baby Jesus, uh, you know, statue and all of that. That's fantastic. Um, for those who aren't familiar with um, base ecclesial communities, can you just say a few words about that? Like what, what, what is that? What are the dynamics of that? I'm still learning the history myself, but my understanding is that this movement of uh, ecclesial based community started in Latin America, mm -hmm. I think in the late sixties or in the seventies, but it was, it's kind of basic. It's taking theology and taking scripture and taking the faith from uh, from the from the academy and putting it into on the ground, so that local communities, parishes, but sometimes outside of I mean, a lot of these base communities started in rural villages where they're you know the nearest parish was miles and miles and miles away, but like people in the village can receive a sense lay people in the village can receive a sense of agency and ownership of their faith to the point where they can read scriptures and discuss scriptures how this moves them how this how this inspires them how this gives them hope how it how it challenges them um and it, base communities it's from the base it's from the ground yeah um, and it gives me a starting point at least from which to know and to trust you know this is a controversial phrase but the preferential option for the poor if, if people in rural villages or in people in impoverished neighborhoods are reading scriptures and are receiving some word of God from there, it's, it's my duty to listen to that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and if God is preferring them at that moment in that community to, uh, to, to give them a message, for me to pick that up is essential um, because otherwise whatever I'm saying on Sunday is like, you know, just fly right over their heads. Well, you're touching on, I'm not, I, I'm really interested to know, I know we only have, we have so little time too for these episodes. That's unfortunate. I might have to do a double uh, with you, but I'm so interested to know why you think that's a, a controversial phrase. It's a phrase we use in the catechism all the time. Um, it's part of Catholic social teaching, but I think more importantly, and for now, uh, you're doing something I think uh, certainly that the church has always called us to do. But so for example, you say, it's my duty even if like there are lay people in this community that are receiving the word and acting on it, it's my duty to acknowledge that this is going on and to even say, you know, affirm this, if this is something resonating with, with the gospel message and, and it's bearing fruit, right? Mm -hmm. By the you'll know them. I don't know if, I mean, that goes back to the second Vatican council and this idea of uh, uh, everyone brings gifts to the table and, and in a missionary area, but, but now we know our backyard is missionary territory. Our dinner, our dining room or our kitchen is missionary territory. You know, our holidays when our relatives, well, we used to get together, but this year, last year we did, is missionary territory. Our Zoom sessions are missionary our territory. Our Zoom sessions, everything. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I, I, it's like, yes, but I think like traditionally interpreted, it was this idea that, you know, still... 
it's the clergy that are going to tell you, you know, where God is acting and what God is doing and da, 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 da. But you're bringing up a great point, and I think speaks to the heart of that tradition of mission in the Catholic Church, that clergy are also supposed to acknowledge where we see the Spirit of God working. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. great. I just wanted to say that. That was a long-winded way to say awesome. Bravo. Well, also, it's a good segue to, to speaking about Pentecost on the whole yeah, Right, right. Well, hey, there you go. I'm getting, you're, you're reading things that that's not even in, my, in front of me, but that is the next note on, on my little <laughs> right here. Let's get into Pentecost as we have about six minutes left. Oh, yeah, we got Pentecost coming up. So we had talked a little bit about it and you kind of connected your homily prep stuff with it, but then you said something really cool that resonated with me. You start, you said, Pentecost for you is a great reminder that we need to implicitly trust the Holy Spirit. Do you want to you want to jump off that, or do you want another entree? Uh, yeah, it, it. I don't see. It's it's funny to jump. It's hard to jump off of that because I don't see how. Is it, is this kind of a statement that stands on its own? Like implicitly trust the Holy Spirit because it. The the, other, the alternative. Do. What was that? It's not easy to do. Yeah, the, the yeah the alternative is self reliance, right? <laughs> the yeah. reliance on the Holy Spirit, and I get caught in that. I get caught into thinking that you know that the, the homily's goodness or or its ability to speak to people depends somehow on me, um, mm-hmm. right? And the collaboration and collaborative efforts, like listening to the base communities, listening to my um, parish staff and colleagues and stuff like that, all of that helps me to get out of that self reliance and into trusting the Holy Spirit because. And the, there's a, this Byzantine prayer that's a very beautiful one, but the prayer to the Holy Spirit says that you who are everywhere present and filling all things. And it's, it's trusting like, okay, you are present. You are present in the, the hard news that we got that one of our parishioners is in the hospital and his condition seesaws up and down. You are present in this hard news about the, the, the homeless folks who are staying in our, in our parish or have been traumatized. Uh, from their past experience, but you are also present in the good news of people who have been receiving vaccines and like, and how is all of that connected to this Sunday's gospel? You know, I have to, I have to trust that, that the Holy Spirit is leading that because that's what the Holy Spirit, that's who the Holy Spirit has been since the beginning of the church in Acts. Well, and that's, that's what I was just going to say, you know, the readings for that wonderful celebration of Pentecost we take from Acts and here we have 11, soon to be 12 uh, apostles that really, uh, they, I don't think they knew they had to rely on the Holy Spirit till the Holy Spirit presents himself in this incredible way. And then it's like, I, I think, I think as long, I mean, it's such a dramatic, right, theophany, this, the tongues of fire over everybody's heads, and we're all speaking in different languages and so forth. It would be really hard to not trust the Holy Spirit or to not trust Jesus yeah, after yeah. an event like that. Yeah. Yeah, we're limited. We're limited. I am limited. I have a particular experience, a particular history, and a particular perspective, a particular language, set of symbols and preferences. The Holy Spirit is bigger and filling all things and in every person. And like trusting that the Holy Spirit is in me, but also leading me into encounter with other people. It broadens my perspective. It broadens my language. It broadens my um, my worldview to give me the ability to see that God is present in all places and in all things. So yeah, we're, I'm, yeah, like we're always play, just playing catch up. We're all just playing catch up with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we see in scripture, right? The Holy Spirit's always leading. 
And I don't know if we ever catch up, but I think we need to stay on that way or the Camino. And uh, he led Jesus out into the desert. We have the Holy Spirit leading all sorts of people to Jesus, to be healed, to be taught, to be loved. And then Jesus sends the spirit to us to lead us into our various vocations and missionary fields and whatnot. And now you're in L.A. and uh, you're going to you're making your own mark slowly, I'm sure, on the people. I mean, you might not be Father Boyle, but we don't need two Father Boyles. You know, you definitely need a Father Justin. So uh, just just trust in that as well. Um, I I think also I'm going to put you on the spot big time here. So if I was a parishioner in your pew for, for Pentecost this year. What's a little nugget of a homily you think? I know, I know this, this totally takes us out of the exegeting the congregation, but what's already sitting on your heart about, we just referenced Acts 1 and 2, the event of Pentecost. Is there a word or a phrase, we'll do our own sort of oral lexio, is there a word or phrase that resonates with you that you would share with the congregation? Um, it's, it's funny recording, it, uh, recording this at this time in place because I wonder what our world's going to look like Mm-hmm. Uh, in Pentecost, what our world is looking like right now, if I'm speaking in perspective of the future. But uh, what I noticed in the beginning of Lent was that 40 days is literally a quarantine, you know, quarantine, quarantena is 40. Spirit drove Jesus, threw Jesus into quarantine. Mm-hmm. And in, in uh, Pentecost, we celebrate that in a sense, the spirit drives the church out of the, out of the upper room and into the world. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if um, now after having suffered this last year of a pandemic and this more indoor, um, this inward uh, contemplative church experience, we've been at the same time driven out of the, the indoor church, at least in California for a long time. But if that's just a preparation like Jesus in the desert uh, for the Pentecost of us now going out into the world, um, speaking a new language in a sense, but not necessarily like, and we need to speak in new languages because the old languages weren't working. The, the, the normal that people want to get back to wasn't working for a lot of people. Our African-American brothers and sisters being an, an obvious example, the, the people in my parish who are struggling with their documents and immigration being another example, um, people in prisons as well. So we're learning to speak new languages through hopefully this time of, um, of, uh, of distance. Um, and that's probably what, what, what God's having in the cards for us now is the Holy Spirit driving us out of our, of our inner room, driving us out of our, uh, the temple and the church that we thought this was supposed to look like into something more challenging, but also something more, uh, more hopeful and maybe new. I've got the title of your first book. So we, got, we got Father Boyle's tattoos in the heart. Yours is words on the heart. Boom. Ooh, okay. Drop that spirit bomb. Drop that I'll, spirit I'll put bomb. you in the royalties for that. <laughs> that sounds great. We're running out of time, Father. It, it just goes so fast. Um, it's very enjoyable. Uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts on homily prep, on exegeting the congregation, on some prep for Pentecost. Now that we're at the end, uh, would you please offer your blessing to me and our listeners? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Deacon Matt. Thank you for your your ministry and the way that the Holy Spirit has used you and uh, this podcast to reach so many people. So um, the Lord be with you. With your spirit. For through the intercessions of Mary, our mother, through the intercession of St. Peter's and St. Paul, all the apostles, through the intercession of all of our patron saints and all of our holy ancestors, 
who are the cloud of witnesses before us, may God in his mercy through Christ Jesus and in the Holy Spirit bless and keep you all who are listening, who are traveling, who are sitting still, who are sick, who are healthy. May God, may the same God bless us all in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank Amen. you once again. We were with chatting with Father Justin Clairval, who, who one day will tell us how to really pronounce his last name. Uh, and he's down there in Los Angeles, Dolores Mission Church, doing some wonderful work for the glory of God. Ad majorum Dei Gloriam. Thank you, Father, so much for being on the show. You're welcome, Deacon Matt. Thank you. And please come, come to Dolores Mission when, uh, when it's all open and we'll feed you some delicious tacos. Oh, I would love it. I would love it. This has been another episode of Chattachesis. I'm your host, Deacon Matt Hallback. We'll chat with you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chattachesis. Head over to sadlyreligion.com forward slash podcast to hear more. And don't forget to request your sample and trial of Christ in Us and our bilingual edition, Cristo in Nosotros, at sadlyreligion.com forward slash CIU.